Yeah, California is the most aggressive. You got to really watch out. And I tell people all the time, don't hire independent contractors from California. Don't hire employees from California until you understand the implications of that. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Matt Rouse. And today, my guest is Jay Razuk. How are you, Jay? I'm doing wonderful. I'm very excited to be here with you, Matt. I'm excited, too, because we're going to talk about multi-state issues, which is something that I've had problems with in the past. So let me read your bio so everybody knows who you are. Jay Razuk is a California business attorney more than 10 years of experience litigating across 20 states in matters involving legal compliance at Fortune 500s. He's also an adjunct professor professor at La Sierra University and the founder of ProScale Legal Coaching and the Secure Scale Method. Jay now helps small business owners employ legal strategies to protect their business as they scale beyond seven and eight figures. And Jay, right off the bat, multi-state issues. What kind of issues are we talking about here? So multi-state issues, I, I usually break it down into three issues. What it is, is as you're scaling your business, you're going to be growing in part geographically. And as you do that, as you get bigger and have a bigger footprint in a particular state, that state is going to come in and say, hey, you need to pay taxes in our state. You need to register to do business in our state. You uh, now could be sued in our state and be subject to all the other rules and regulations in that state. And so that just adds this increasing layer of complexity then as you're growing and you need to be mindful of, okay, I'm now really having a presence in this state. I need to now follow its rules. And as another matter too, just as you're growing, it's, I think it's very important to be mindful of deciding and being strategic as to when you want to enter a particular state. That's the multi-state issue. Oh, the first time that we encountered this, and you and I spoke about this briefly before we were recording, is that we had hired a, a remote employee that lived in California who was part-time. We were, we were aware of payroll taxes and things, but one thing that we weren't aware of is that we were going to have to file a state tax return, even though we didn't do any business in California. And that also came along with a minimum state tax. There was penalties. There was costs to file the paperwork. And this was all stuff that we had not planned for. And had we known it was going to be so expensive, honestly, we probably would have hired someone in the state that we were already in. Is this the kind of thing that businesses kind of run into all the time that you see? Absolutely. And I'm actually surprised how much businesses get away with it. And it might be that a lot of states are just don't care or right now they're kind of just waking up to their ability to really uh, reach out and grab you. But California is the most aggressive on this. And California has a Web page where they'll tell you if you have a certain amount of property in California, you have a certain amount of employees or pay a certain amount of compensation in California or if you make a certain amount of money or percentage in California, they're going to own you and get and want to claim taxes on whatever percentage of your incomes coming from California. So you really have to watch out for that. And yeah, it's unfortunate you had that connection with California and experienced that because, yeah, California is the most aggressive. You've got to really watch out. And I tell people all the time, don't hire independent contractors from California. Don't hire employees from California 
until you understand the implications of that. And there might be other states like I, I would maybe watch out for New York, for example, too. And every state, unfortunately, is going to have different thresholds. And the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court has given some guidance. They can't just arbitrarily claim you for just having a website and, you know, one time providing product to a customer there. But just certain thresholds where you're doing enough in that state, they can claim a piece of your pie. Right. So, you know, if I have an e-commerce store, somebody's buying one product off me or something, then we're not kind of on the hook for that to pay tax on it. But if you reach a certain threshold of you sell X amount of dollars in a state, then they can tax you. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. And where that threshold is, that's where you'll have to work with accountants or attorneys usually to figure out. California has given some nice bright line rules, as I mentioned, but even with those rules, they're not bound to them. So while they might say, you know, if one fourth of your employees are in California, then you got to kick in, they could still come after you theoretically, even if you have multiple employees, but one there and they decide they want to tax you. Yeah, they're really hard to get off your back, too. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. They they want their money. Yeah. Even when you don't owe them money anymore, they still keep asking. So what are some of the I mean, besides just taxes, what are some of the other multi-state issues that can come up? So the another big one is regulation. And when I mean regulation, I mean, these are the things you got to do or the government will come for you. And in this case, that government will be the state of California for as an example. And California, we know pretty much is like the second arm to the federal government. If California issues a new law, a new regulation on cars, new regulation on computers, it's going to have implications for everybody's cars and everybody's computers. And one of the areas where we, we really see this impact is just on our websites and our website privacy policies. If you look at those, a lot of them are now guided by the very strict privacy rules that California issues. And California will say, you know, if you are basically at all providing website services to people in California, you could be subject to that requirement. And Nevada now has a similar similar rule, and I expect more and more states will kick in. And when, so if you're serving somebody in that state, that state's laws is, are going to kick in to protect them. There's a, a website thing with California and, and data privacy and stuff. It seems like people kind of default to what is the most strict thing that we need to build for. And if you build for that, it covers everyone else. So everybody builds for whatever the most strict is. But for small businesses, I mean, honestly, they have no idea, right, what the regulation is going to be in, in different states. And so I guess that's that's where they need some help, right? How common is it to have problems between states for regulation, like for, I guess, you know, like my equivalent that I'm aware of would be like OSHA laws in Oregon for how you're allowed to do work and safety and that kind of thing. Is that usually different in each state or is it more of a federally regulated? When it comes to OSHA, so you, you have a federal level OSHA 
And if a state doesn't have its own OSHA, then the federal rule will apply. And then the federal law says if you have a state OSHA, then the state OSHA will will apply. So in that case, you're not going to have a, a conflict between state and federal. And then when it comes to at the state level, usually, and I, I, I could just think of there's a couple random exceptions, for example, with California law, but usually where a worker is located, that state's law is going to more or less apply to that worker. So if they're located in New York, New York law will probably govern that worker. If they are in Southern California, California law is going to apply to them. And and so you're not going to have mixed issues. But it does get complicated because, yeah, maybe you do have certain requirements that might apply to you where you're located also. And the best practice then is, as you said, to make sure you follow the laws of where you're located and then follow the laws where that worker is located. And wherever there is a difference, go with the one that's stricter. That that was actually very well said. Is there kind of a pathway for companies who want to expand into other states that's kind of the, I don't know, like the path of least resistance kind of thing when it comes to taxation and, and regulation? The way I usually look at it is try to have all your eggs in one basket in a sense of where you're going to hire your workers. You know, if you're going to have employees, try to have them as much in one state as possible. If you're working with independent contractors, you might have a bit more flexibility there. That's why independent contractors are great. Uh, as long as you're careful about making sure they don't go from being an independent contractor to an employee. And you got to track your revenues, making sure you you really realize where your money's coming from, from states and where you're really seeing a lot of business. Maybe then again, look at those are the states that you would expand into, maybe hire workers in there and you just concentrate that way. But I, I've seen people and, and, and these businesses have failed where they have just randomly hired employees all over the planet or <laughs> actually that's probably OK, but all over the U.S. And then later on find out, oh, I should have registered in this place, should have registered in that place and then have a bunch of other legal issues that just choke them. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, I know that like you hear about companies sometimes moving their headquarters to a certain state because maybe the the tax laws are beneficial kind of thing. Is that pretty common nowadays also when companies are expanding into other parts of the country that they kind of move their official headquarters to a certain state because there's lower corporate tax or something like that? Yeah, at least in California, we're hearing about that a lot. There's a lot of businesses that are fleeing because our taxes on businesses are so high. And California is one of the few states that even has, a, they call it a fee, a franchise fee, but it's really a tax that goes on to LLCs. So usually a lot of states will just even ignore an LLC. The money it makes just will flow through to the individuals and they tax the individuals. But with California, they want to tax the LLC and then tax you as the owner as well. Even if you're an owner that lives in another state, by the way. So what you got to do is really just be mindful of that and, um, uh, Oh, sorry, I forgot where the, the question was going. But. <laughs> yeah, mindful of, of where you can, well, I guess where you live and, and where your company is located, right? Both. That's right. When it comes to California. And, and, and just other states. I mean, again, New York can be very expensive. Ohio, I believe, is another state that, for example, that taxes LLCs. 
So if you look for ones that don't have taxes, income taxes, especially, it makes a lot of sense to move to those states. So you're seeing, for example, Elon Musk talking about moving Tesla and, and other operations to Texas, where there's no state income tax. I don't know how their corporate taxes are, if there's any, but they see lots of savings moving there. And not only are you saving on taxes, but just about any other state also has a cheaper standard of living. So now your products are going to be cheaper. Your house is going to be cheaper. Your taxes for property is going to be less. Your sales taxes might be less. I mean, it's just depending on where you are, you could be paying so much that just goes to the government. I mean, I'm just shocked by how little money it takes before you're just paying a huge amount of taxes in a state like California. Yeah, well, I live in Canada now, so <laughs> taxes are definitely a thing here. But, you know, as a side note about having moved from the United States back to Canada, I found that personally, the amount of tax we have to pay here compared to the expenses that we had in the United States for things like healthcare and stuff like that, it actually kind of balanced out. Like it's, it's roughly the same, if not slightly cheaper now living in Canada for us anyway. But that's a side note. So I guess I, I see a lot of people and companies, especially in the last kind of couple of years during COVID time and stuff, people selling their homes in the Bay Area and stuff, and they're moving up to Oregon or out to Texas or Arizona, you know, where they could buy bigger properties and stuff like that for the money that they sold their house for and, you know, moving their companies with them for lower tax rates and stuff like that. And I mean, this this may be opinion based, but it just doesn't seem like California is making very good decisions when it comes to taxation. I, I don't understand why they want the taxation to be so high when it doesn't seem like the services are any better as it comes to being a company. Unless I'm mistaken. I mean, there, there might be something I don't know about it, but. I, I've often asked that and I think. I mean, it, it's sort of like supply and demand and, you know, business will charge as much as they can they can get away with and that the the demand will bear. And I think in California, our weather is so awesome. Our beaches are so wonderful. We have so many amazing, creative people, talented people in the state. We have, you know, a lot of these big companies based here and startups. There's, there's just a lot of energy and motion momentum in California. So I totally understand why a lot of businesses would want to be here. And when I go buy food, I buy products in the store, it seems like half of them have a label of, you know, a California company, you know, and most of the food comes out of California or a large portion of it. So it's a very important state for our national economy, for the competitiveness of our nation. There's so many wonderful things going on. But yeah, it's a shame that then the government wants to take such a huge piece of the pie. And and it's not just that. And if it was just that, I almost would think we could bear it. Let's stick with it. But on top of it is almost this additional hidden tax I call excessive regulations because it, it's they're well-intentioned. At one level, they make a lot of sense. You know, they're about making sure we treat people right. But they go so far where like you take employment law issues and you might have certain statutes, certain laws that might kick in after you have 25 employees. But in California, those same laws might kick in if you have five employees or if you have even just one employee. And so it becomes extremely burdensome to become an employer. 
And then the flip side, though, California makes it almost impossible for anybody to be an independent contractor. They pretty much have to have their own corporation or LLC, do business for a variety of different people, always providing that one service. And and you can't just come in and then take a place of one of your employees. And so they prevent pretty much the gig economy while at the same time preventing people from being employers. And your only option then as a startup in California is to hire people as independent contractors outside of the state. And it's really sad. Yeah, I mean, we ran into that, you know, we unless it was someone extremely exceptional at what they do, we wouldn't hire from from California again. And I mean, we kind of have the same thing in Oregon there where our company's headquartered. You know, over the last 20 years, they've raised business taxes, something like 40 percent. So it's really increased over time. And, and, you know, some of the payroll taxes and stuff like that. And you know what? I have no problem paying taxes, right? I'm not like, you know, one of these giant companies. I'm going to move all my money off seas. And, and, you know, I understand that we need taxes to make the system work so that we have roads to drive on. So somebody's going to come put my house out if it's on fire. Right. But I also think that the taxation needs to encourage the development that you're trying to do. Right. And, you know, just like you were saying in, in California and, you know, in some other states too, where if it's really difficult to have employees and, you know, it's also really difficult to have contractors, then usually what people will do will be use the third option. And the third option generally is offshoring or VAs or trying to use a workforce that is not local. And that doesn't do anyone any good because then they're not collecting any taxes from those employees and, you know, there, there's no one getting the benefit of employment. But anyways, that's my uh, TED talk for today on uh, <laughs> encouraging business growth and, clap, clap, and clap, building clap. the tax base. You, you mentioned when we started that litigation can be a problem, you know, when you move to other states. What kind of litigation are you seeing? Is it mostly because people don't understand what the different regulations are in those states? Or is it, you know, is there some other issues there? So there's a uh, a survey that was done by the Small Business Administration a few years back, and they were trying to identify small businesses and just how much litigation did they experience and, and what type. And it, it was shocking. They, they concluded that up to 50% of all small businesses were involved in litigation. And one third of that litigation was for breach of contract. So and that was the most prominent was the breach of contract. And and that I think that makes sense because what are your customers going to get most upset at you about? What do they most know they have rights with regard to? It's probably going to be that contract you have with them. And uh, the easiest mistake would be not delivering on what you promise. So it's easy to deal with this issue in your contracts. I think everybody understands you could put clauses in your contract to say you can only be sued in the state you're located or you can require arbitration, things of that that nature. So you can control that risk of being sued in other states. But you can never force someone to not file in a state. They could still try to file in their state. And it's still up to you then to hire an attorney in that state to then convince a judge that the case shouldn't belong there. So you just, you still incur the cost and the effort regardless of if it was in the contract or not. Right. And, and if they argue that there was fraud or for some reason the contract should be ignored, you do run the risk then that, that the case might stay alive in that, in that state 
So the, the issue there is, is what lawyers call jurisdiction. And normally the idea is you can only be sued in the state in which you exist, where you dwell and you reside, that you're a citizen of. But when you have a business and you are very active in lots of states, you do reach a point where, as the Supreme Court says, you basically become at home in that state and it becomes fair for you to be sued there. Is there a way to like avoid getting sued in other states? There, there is. And that's something I try to teach people on. For example, I do uh, contract templates and sell them. And, and one of the templates, I go with what's called a, a form order or order form. And it's, it's a smart idea. You look at the big businesses that are selling like software as a service or something like that. You, they might have you fill out an order form and then they accept that form they accept your order and then a contract is formed. And when you do it that way, where you have the person submit an order and then you approve it, now you can say that contract, for example, was formed in the state where you're located. And that takes away one jurisdictional argument that your customer might, might have about why they should be able to sue where they are located. It's not a guarantee, but it's just one more way that, for example, that you can take control of the situation and make sure you're minimizing your footprint where you're located. And again, be mindful of what laws you're agreeing to be bound by in contracts. Like it, it's tough because we're contracting with people left and right in all sorts of states, but be mindful, be mindful of contracts that might have you be bound to, to another state that you really don't want to be a part of. Sometimes what I do is I just cross out the choice of law provisions. It might be better to not say what law applies than to, you know, agree to someone else's law expressly. Right. Well, it, it definitely sounds like it's a little more complicated than people think it is. And I don't think a lot of businesses really think about it, especially businesses that may be 100% online. Or if you're, you know, like freelancer, contractor, you know, or business like us, we're an online business. You know, we don't have a specific set office space kind of thing anymore. And we have, you know, we have clients all over, not just the United States, but in, you know, Canada and New Zealand and, and you know, some other countries and stuff. I mean, it's something that we haven't really thought of. I mean, our contract is just our contract. It doesn't state anything about or what state <laughs> jurisdiction is under. I guess I probably need to take a look at it again. So what do you think is is the easiest way for a company to kind of start dealing with this issue if maybe they're already in a few states and, and they haven't kind of done any of this planning? Maybe your easiest access point to professional help might be an accountant, hopefully one that's experienced with this and can start getting you thinking of you might need to start registering in certain states and maybe pulling back a little bit in others. I mean, this is my mission now, really, honestly, because I, in helping clients, realize there's not much out there to really help people understand these issues and how to navigate them. So I'm really on a mission to bring awareness to this and provide resources. It, it's okay if I make a little pitch here? Yeah, go ahead. I really don't know where else to send people, but I do have, for example, a Facebook group where I'm giving information about these things, sharing tips, and it's uh, business law for online practitioners. And then I just love answering questions and, and guiding people on this. And and it's tough. I, I mean, you add 
you add on this layer of professionals like attorneys are limited even in the states we can practice. So I can't just help you navigate 50 states. And, um, you know, doctors, healthcare providers are often limited geographically as well. And so we have to resort to things like coaching and other methods, methods of like just providing information to really give people a broader, deeper understanding that maybe you wouldn't get from just your, your general local practitioner. Yeah, we found um, when we had people working in a few different states with our company, one change that we did that was actually pretty helpful is we started using a payroll software called Gusto. Yes. If anybody needs a link to Gusto or whatever, just you know, shoot me an email or message or something, we'll send you one. But Gusto would do all the correct payroll stuff, you know, in in like the Portland metro area, it would even take out like transit taxes for employees there, but it wouldn't take those things out and it would take the separate things out for people who are in Washington or California. So it knew what things needed to be, you know, done with your payroll for your employee taxes and and any other localized tax mechanisms that were in place that you needed to, to have done because the payroll software worked for all states. So you only needed one piece of software to do all of it. So that was super helpful. That's excellent advice. And that is, that's exactly what I recommend to people too, when it comes to compliance with employment issues is use a service like Gusto and now Intuit, the people have QuickBooks offer a similar service. There's a couple others. It really makes so much more sense to use a service like that because they day in and day out deal with and specialize in HR employment issues. So you should get generally decent help without having to pay a lawyer thousands of dollars to provide you what these companies can really do for a couple hundred dollars a month per employee. So it's excellent advice. That's always what I tell people to for employment help. Nice. So other than the Facebook group itself, is there another way that people can reach out to you if they want, if they have more questions? Yes. Yeah, so I've started ProScale Legal. And this is a service where I provide people with you know, opportunities to like hop on a, a legal clarity call and try to coach them, come up with a plan, directions, identify even what are the, the weakness points that they might want to look into and work with a professional on. I look at a hundred different points that really affect uh, the, your level of protection and ability to safely scale. So you can find me at proscalelegal.com. And again, you can go there, book appointment. And as I mentioned, I'm trying to uh, build out templates that are really from the mindset of a business that's scaling, that's working at a, a national level, and you need to navigate those 50 lost states. Nice. Well, Jay, thanks so much for coming on and uh, bringing this to light for us. I think it's going to help a lot of businesses. Thank you, Matt. I'm, uh, I appreciate this opportunity to share. And, and as I said, this is something I'm so passionate about and really want to get the word out there to help other businesses. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. 
We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.